Well, church family, I like being up here, the beautiful organ behind me. I thought it would be a nice place to spend a few moments together in God's Word today. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11 if you haven't already. Uh, this morning, a pointed text that I really feel like is exactly where the Lord would have us to be as a church family. We're going to look at the incredible sacrifice that God asked of Abraham when it came to his only son, Isaac. He was his only son. It was the promised seed. We'll see all this in the text. Take your Bibles. If you have them, Hebrews chapter 11. We've been talking, of course, about legacies of genuine faith. And we look in God's word today, Hebrews chapter 11. And we start at verse 17. Uh, you heard the text already read, but I want us to note a couple things. By faith, there it is again. It's been there the whole time. It was faith that was a gift from God, faith that these men and women displayed with obedience and action. You and I can talk about pe being people of faith, but if we don't display anything outwardly, there's no record of our faith. There's no legacy to share. There's no uh, transmission of the faith. Paul would write at one point in the New Testament, without holiness, no man shall see God. Well, that's not God's holiness. It's, it's our holiness, his holiness on display in and through us. People see God and they learn of God when they read us as living epistles of God. It's a powerful thing. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. I want you to see the great faith of Abraham here. He's commended for his faith yet again. And now we see him commended for his faith for this incredible sacrifice the Lord is asking. We see Isaac, who is an incredible promise of God for Abraham. I try not to use the word incredible too much, but this is just remarkable circumstances. Isaac was the only child of Abraham and Sarah. Yes, there was another child by uh, the handmaiden, but this is the only child of Abraham and Sarah, and thus the only child of promise. We see Isaac as a child of promise. We see Isaac as uh, the only son, the only begotten, if you will, of Abraham at this point. And then we see Isaac also as the fulfillment or the promised seed, if you will, from God. He is the manifestation of the Abrahamic covenant. God said, through your seed, I'm going to multiply your seed. It's going to be as the clouds of the head, the stars of the sky, rather the sands of the sea. And it's through Isaac. Isaac is the named promise of that. And God calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Where do we get that from? Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to do a little bit of reading here. And the sermon kind of preaches itself through the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter number 22 and verse 1. Genesis 22 and verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Let's just stop right there and acknowledge that that is a hard thing for us to process. Now, this is the God that doesn't call for child sacrifices. This is Jehovah God. This is the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
and he's calling them to do something that the pagan rituals had done in the day. He's calling them to do the things that people were doing to other gods, where Abraham was called out of this pagan society. Uh, this would have been a normal practice. I wonder what went through Abraham's mind if Abraham thought, I thought you were different, God. Well, he's going to show himself different, but he's not going to reveal that until Abraham responds with obedience. Look on at verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, don't you just love when uh, God winks at us in light of Resurrection Sunday around the corner? On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham, verse 5, said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship, watch this, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took his, in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, verse 7, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8, Abraham said, loaded statement here, you ready? God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went, or rather, so they went, both of them, together. Verse 9, let's continue reading. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. There's no sign of struggle here, although I'm sure every day after this, anytime Abraham asked Isaac how he was doing, he probably got some side eye. I don't know. Anyway, there's no sign of struggle here, but uh, Abraham reaches out his hand, takes the knife to slaughter his son. The word here is slaughter. It's a good rendering of the word. Uh, he's ready to follow through with this, not understanding it all, but he's ready to follow through this, no doubt brokenhearted, but obedient. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Mark that. We'll come back to that. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel comes to him a second time from heaven and says, by myself I've sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I'll multiply your offspring as the stars. Here's the Abrahamic covenant coming up again. There's a lot here. There's a, a lot here to look at. There's a lot here to observe, but it's only a few things in the time that we have together to bring attention to. I want you to notice that Abraham had incredible faith. In Genesis 22 and verse 5, he tells those men, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Nothing would reveal that that would be the case. There was no resurrection that had happened up to this point that Abraham was aware of. We have Enoch that walked with God and was not, 
but we don't have an account of a resurrection. And yet Abraham's faith, look at what it says, flip back over to Hebrews 11, verse uh, 18, if you'll look at it, verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him, that's Isaac, from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. What a powerful revelation we have here in God's word. Abraham had such faith in God, he thought, I'm going to go through with this. God has commanded me to do something. I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk through this in obedience. But I know that this is the promised seed that God gave me. I know that God may want to show me something, teach me something. I'm going to follow through with this. But I know that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Church family, I don't want to jump to application too quickly, but can I encourage you for just a moment? Remember that we are of the faith. We are not of those that shrink back, even though the world is in turmoil and maybe even some could say in a version of lockdown. We are of the faith. We are not of those who shrink back. We don't take our highest highs and our lowest lows by watching the markets. We don't take our highest highs and lowest lows and take our identity on what our job says about us or even what our health says about us. We're not motivated by fear. We are motivated by the love of God. That's what constrains us. Let's have great faith. And even if God calls us in the midst of this crisis to make great sacrifice, for the advancement of the gospel and for his kingdom and to be Jesus to somebody that we know that it's worth it. Whatever comes of it, we will walk in obedience because God is faithful. We have faithful, uh, we have faith rather in God. Look at the loaded statement in uh, verse eight. Abraham says, Abraham said, God will provide for himself after Isaac uh, asked him, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Abraham's faith was in God. Isaac's faith, I made note here, was in his daddy. Isaac believed his dad. That satisfied Isaac. Where is, where's the sacrifice? God will provide a lamb. And Isaac says, okay, let's go. And so they went. I don't know that it ever entered Isaac's mind until he was laid on the altar, or it could very well have been completely apparent to him what was happening, as he may have overheard his father praying, knowing that some great sacrifice was about to happen, but also some great substitution. Now, this is hard for us to process as we observe the text. Let me give just a quick word on interpretation here. God is not calling for child sacrifice here. He is ardently pro-life. God is pro-life. He is very much pro-life. He's the author and the finisher of life. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. And it was for Abraham as well. So Abraham just knew and had faith, not knowing what a resurrection was. He thought, well, God, if I kill him, you'll raise him up. You are working something out in this. And I may not understand it, but I'm going to obey the word of the Lord. Well, you and I don't have to listen for the voice of God audibly like Abraham did. We don't have to wander around and try to figure out what's happening. We have the revealed word of God and God is calling us. There are some demands of the gospel that he's calling us to live out. He's calling us to faithfully 
be witnesses for him with our lips and our lives. He's calling us to faithfully be in covenant with one another in the local church body. Even though we can't gather, God is still calling us to faithfulness. And he's calling us to sacrifice a time and continue to be generous for the work of the gospel. Abraham had faith in God. Isaac trusted Abraham and God. And even though it might be hard for us to process because of the details of this, can I just suggest to you that in our Western culture, in our American culture, in our sanitized version of Christianity, oftentimes any kind of sacrifice is hard for us to process. My prayer is that the families and singles and every single person that identifies with Grace Covenant Church as a church family would when God says go, as God has said obey, when God opens the door, we get up and go. And when the door is open and a heart is open, we will be faithful to open our mouths and proclaim the goodness of Almighty God. Couple of things to note here from the text. We see great sacrifice, great sacrifice here. Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Why was that? Why would God ask for Isaac? This promised seed, this fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Why would God do that? Well, it's not explicit in the text, but it is implicit. If you look back at the end of the narrative there in Genesis 22, he said, you've not, verse 16, withheld your son, your only son, the son that you loved, God said, seeing you've not withheld your only son, verse 12, for me. Don't lay your hand on him. I know that you want to fear me and serve me. This was Abraham and, and Sarah's Blessed child. One writer writes, give me just a moment to read this. Isaac's name, which meant laughter. Isaac's name was a sure prophecy of what he brought to life. The odd and old couple would take baby Isaac in their age spotted hands and hold him close before their wrinkled visages. And their eyes would light as the smile lines drew taut. They would chuckle and baby Isaac would laugh. If ever there were doting parents, Abraham and Sarah would have been doting parents. The boy was everything to them. Watch that. The amalgam of their bodies and souls, the miraculous fulfillment of prophecy, the hope of the world, Isaac's every move was lovingly chronicled. His first word, his first step, his likes, his dislikes, his tendencies. And as he grew to boyhood and on toward manhood, Abraham and Sarah would see aspects of their younger selves and their son, perhaps Abraham's height and carriage and Sarah's stride and grace. There can be no doubt that either parent would have died in an instant for Isaac. They were so utterly proud of their son, laughter, Isaac. He had become their everything. Might I suggest to you implicit in the text is that Isaac had become the focus instead of the Lord. There are times that God blesses us with things and with people and with jobs or with whatever it is, fill in the blank that you have maybe asked God for or God supernaturally just given you that you didn't see coming and God given it to you and it become all consuming. Can I remind you only God should be the all-consuming fire of our lives. What are you holding on too tightly to 
that God may be calling you to lay down and sacrifice. Brother, sister, I'm talking to the Christian now. You're hanging on to something that maybe the Lord put in your hands. It's a good thing. It's an answer to a prayer. It's a provision from God. It's a promise. But the Lord is saying, you focused on that too much. Your grip is too tight on that. And it's costing you some intimacy with me. I think you would jump to do something for that quicker than you would jump to do something for me. Oh, I'm convicted. I'm encouraged by Abraham's faith. I am troubled by the great sacrifice that's demanded here, if I'm being honest with you. But I am amazed at how true this rings in my life. We see the sacrifice, but thank God we see the supernatural provision of an almighty God. Abraham gets up to the mountain. You remember the scene and he's got the knife in hand poised to kill. One songwriter says, and there in the thicket is a ram as God says, stop. God yells, stop. Don't do it. I've provided for you. Now, there are two schools of thought. There are probably more, but one school says that God went like that or he probably didn't snap. I've just got a good parent snap. But uh, one school says that God just spoke or breathed or thought or whatever, and there was no ram, and then boom, ex nihilo, out of nothing, a ram appeared. Well, that would be a creative act of God after he had rested from creation. But God, when what a miracle is, is when God suspends and interrupts the laws of physics and dynamics and nature and all of that to do something uh, so that people see him. So it could very well have been a miracle. The other view that I lean more toward only because of the way scripture plays out is that this ram had been making that journey up the side of the mountain, however long it took it to get there. And it just, we would say, happened to be at the right place at the right time, but God saw it all, planned it all, and used it all for his glory. Mm, application, let me help you. I know that you and I are headed up this side of the mountain with so many questions, just like Abraham and Isaac, wondering how is this gonna work out? What's gonna happen? What if this happens or that happens? And, and I'm not sure what to do. But God is seated on the throne, on top, seeing everything. He sees the answer coming up the other side of the mountain. We just see the problem and the cost of great sacrifice, but God sees his supernatural provision coming for his people, but ultimately for his glory. We see the sacrifice. We see the supernatural provision of God. And then we see Abraham and Isaac get on with getting on. Verse 20 that was read. I haven't touched it in the sermon text yet. I'm nearing the close of our time together. Can you believe it? But verse 20 in that Genesis 22 account, let me get back to it. Genesis 22 or, or rather, I'm sorry, the Hebrews account. There we go. Hebrews account, uh, Hebrews 11, 17, verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Now we'll get to those texts. We'll actually hit that verse again as we pick up the narrative of the rest of that story in the coming weeks. But Abraham and Isaac got on with life. Again, I don't know if Isaac side-eyed his dad for the rest of his life, right? His dad said, hey, um, Isaac, want to go outside? Isaac went, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know. Just a little humor there. Sorry. I don't mean to make too light of it. 
But who knows how this played out, the family dynamic. I, I'm also imagining Sarah when they got back in and Sarah going, wait, you did what? I sent you out and you did what? Well, I don't know how all this played out. At home, I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall or maybe not, I don't know. But my point is this, there was sacrifice, there was supernatural provision, and then the Lord sent them on to continue to fulfill his plan and his will to fulfill his promise. Oh, brother, sister, can I just encourage you that God not only sees the sacrifices that we're all making in this current age, that's the greater sacrifice he will call many of us to, the church to certainly, as we are the hands and feet of Jesus today, right now, even with COVID-19, without COVID-19, death is 100% guaranteed for everyone who lives. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And we are noticeably and reasonably alerted and on alert with the COVID-19 threat, of course. But death is still a certainty for all of mankind. Even people not being infected with the coronavirus are still dying and everybody needs the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We were made for his glory. Can I speak to you, friend, that's watching that you've not yet come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? There's a great picture here. Isaac was called to be sacrificed, but God supernaturally provided a substitute. Well, you and I, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You and I, the sin, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only thing that sin adds up to and equals is death. We are worthy of death. Be careful saying, I just want what's coming to me. What's coming to us, what we deserve is the judgment of a holy God that would look on us pitiful, wretched sinners. That's what we deserve. But there was supernatural provision for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus and he sent him for me and he sent him for you and he sent him for all of humanity. And God is calling you now to sacrifice. Maybe it's your pride. I don't know what's in the way of you saying, yes, Lord, but it's time to lay that down on the altar, just like Abraham did it. Isaac had gotten too important in Abraham's life, and there are things that have become idols in your life that you didn't think would, but they have. I'm speaking to you, friend, that doesn't yet have a relationship with God. God's calling you to lay those down. He's holier than you ever could imagine, and you are more sinful and more needy than you care to admit. But if you will admit that right now and see the Lord as high and lifted up, he'll save you. If you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved by the power of God. And his Holy Spirit will come to live and take up residence in you and make all things new and call you into the fellowship of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and then send you on mission for him, the sacrifice, the supernatural provision, and the sentness from last week of the people involved so that the promises of God could be worked out through humanity. It's not time for us to pause being the church just because we are trying to do our part as good citizens and for the sake of others, love well and serve well. It's not time for us to pause 
It's time for us to continue to stay on mission and to be about our Father's business even today. God is good. His mercy endures forever. And he has supernatural provision for us. He sees all this already worked out. Now, how you and I will be remembered through this depends on what we do right now. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for the fact that uh, there is the great sacrifice of faith. There's faith that sacrifices, but there's never been a sacrifice that any human has ever made that hasn't been met by the supernatural provision of your hand. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We beg you to continue to move and work on our behalf. Thank you for this account of Abraham. Thank you for this account of Isaac. Thank you for the account of the ram that you provided. Thank you even more for the Lord Jesus Christ, who this points to even as the text, Lord. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen.